You know, uh, Jesus is never surprised by anything. Now, I don't know when the last time you were surprised. I'm surprised all the time. But, you know, he never says, well, I'll be. He's not surprised by anything because he sees the end from the beginning. He knows the end of a thing before the beginning ever begins. He's, he is at your destination before you arrive. He's never surprised by anything. So you know what? He knows what you're about to encounter before you encounter it. Good, bad, ugly, up, down, in between. If it's a, a satanic attack or a godly blessing, he knows what's coming before it arrives at the front door of your life. He knows. He knows. Amen. And so I want to read to you the account of, of something Jesus knew was coming to Simon Peter's life. And I think it's going to help you. I'm going to just call this today sifted yet safe. Because many of us are going through a sifting here in this congregation. I'm going to tell you exactly what that means, sifting. But Jesus uses that word. Um, I think it's used only twice in the entire Bible. And he uses the word sifted. Now, let's just jump into Luke 22. Jesus is not long from the cross. And he turns and wheels around and looks at Simon Peter. And he says this to him. Simon, Simon, if he says your name twice, you're in trouble. I like it when he says Jeff one time. But if he says Jeff, Jeff, I'm about to catch it. But watch this. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have you. What about that? How did he know that? Because he had an inside track. Watch this. Satan, I'm, I'm privy to the information that you are going after my servant Peter. And you want to sift him like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Peter. And interestingly, in the Greek language here, the you is plural. He's talking to Peter, but he's talking about all of them. I have prayed for all of you, plural, that your faith should not completely fall because all of you are going to be sifted. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. Now, that you is singular. When you, Peter, have repented and turned to me again, you will strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. So he's talking to all the disciples, but then he homes in on Peter. Simon said, Lord, I'm ready to go to jail with you and even die with you. I'm all in, Lord. I'm your guy. But watch this. Jesus said, Peter, I know you better than you know yourself. Let me tell you something. Between now and tomorrow morning when the rooster crows, isn't it amazing what Jesus knows? He knows when a rooster is going to crow. Not just once, but three times. That bird that chirped in your backyard today, Jesus knew it was going to chirp before it chirped. Between now and tomorrow morning when the rooster crows, you're going to deny me, not once, Peter, or three times. And you're going to tell them you don't even know me. Hmm. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your blessing today. I thank you for the word of the Lord today. And I pray that you will magnify yourself in this message. And Lord, help all of us to have our faith strengthened. Strengthened. Would you pray with me, church, and say, strengthen my faith today, Lord. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God heard that prayer. And you can be seated. Now, Jesus introduces the subject of sifting here. Now, um, he said, this is what Satan wants to do with God's people. And Jesus doesn't uh, mince words or use the wrong word. He never had to say, let me use a better word. He always used the word he intended to use. So he chose sifting. He said, the devil likes to sift. He likes to sift God's people. He sifts them. Now, that had a real important meaning. And here's what it was. In Jesus' day, they, they harvested grain, let's say wheat. They, they harvested like wheat. And they would use what is called a sieve, which we would call a sifter. And it was a box. It was like a box. And, and um, at the bottom of it was like this mesh or wire, very close-knit. And they would, they would take a shovel, and they would shovel a great big thing of wheat, and they would drop it into this box that had a top on it. And they would turn the box upside down where the mesh was at the bottom, and they would violently shake that box so that anything that was in there other than the pure grain would come out. Grit fell out. Dirt fell out. The chaff around the wheat fell out. We would say that anything those that purchased the wheat didn't want got sifted out so that when they poured the grain into a sack, it was pure grain. It was pure grain. So, so sift. When Jesus said, hey, Peter, let me let you in on something. You're about to have a battle. Satan wants to sift you, and that means he wants to turn you upside down and shake you and separate you. He wants to shock you through the agitation of sudden trials. He wants to shock you. He wants to rattle your cage. He, he wants to shake you. Now, I know that doesn't bless you. You're not jumping up and shouting amen because th this is, we've all experienced it, amen? How many of you today can say, I'm feeling a little bit shaken right now, right? So he wants to shake you. He wants, he wants to shake you. He wants to sift you, Peter. So the idea is Jesus prayed that when Peter's life was sifted by the shaking and turmoil over Jesus' arrest, that the things that God didn't need in his life would sift through and that his faith would emerge on the other side purified because he said, Peter, I prayed for you. Now watch what Jesus was concerned about. He was most concerned about not the way Peter looked, not the way that he walked, not the way that he talked, not how much money he made. He was most concerned with Peter's faith. I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith does not fail. That your faith doesn't fail. Peter, you're going to go through some trials. You're going to go through some fire. Peter, you're going to fail me. You're, you're going to fall. You're, you're going to deny me. And Peter is going to rattle you. It's going to shake you. It, it's going to affect you. You're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to walk away. But Peter, I prayed for you. Then when it's all said and done, you come out on the other side with your faith purified, not defeated, but conquering, not defeated, but on top. Peter, I prayed that you don't go down, but you go through and you come out on the other side. Peter, I prayed for your faith. Now watch this. Both God and Satan were after his faith for different reasons. Uh, see, we don't realize it, but our faith, our faith is a real concern to the devil. 
Because the stronger your faith is, the more damage you're going to do to the kingdom of the devil. See, you're a danger to him when your faith is sharp and strong and you're walking with God and you're blessed and there's favor on your life and you're witnessing to people about Jesus and your light is shining into the dark. Oh, the devil's concerned about that kind of faith. So he, he attacks you. He says he, he wants to sift your faith hoping he can ruin it or dilute it or discourage it or take you down. But on the other hand, God wants your faith. God is concerned about your faith to strengthen it. Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. We have an author and finisher of our faith. His name is Jesus. He authored our faith. He is finishing our faith. He is daily strengthening our faith. And our faith is of great concern to the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants it purified. He wants it stronger. So when the devil attacks to shake us, his intent is to ruin our faith. But God allowing it, his intent is that it's purified, that the unnecessary shaft falls to the ground and we come out on the other side stronger for it. Amen. 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 So I want to point out a few things out about this story because I love this story because, you know, I'm so much like Simon Peter. What about you? Have you ever said, Lord, I'm all in. I'm never going to mess up. I'm never going to stumble. And then you messed up and you stumbled and and you were real careful to ever say that again. Amen. I want you to notice something. Now, this is interesting to me that, that Peter's sifting followed a powerful revelation and experience with the Lord. Peter and the other disciples, right before this word about sifting that was coming, Peter and the other disciples had just received a powerful revelation from the Lord Jesus about what God was going to do with them. If you back up just two verses to verse 29, right before the Lord talks about sifting, just two verses before, Jesus tells the disciples something amazing. He says, I bestow on you a kingdom. Picture the Lord telling you this. I bestow on you a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. But it gets even more powerful. And sit on thrones, what? Sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, you talk about a promotion. They went from a boat to a throne. They went from the guttermost to the uttermost. I mean, come on, everybody. He pulls them out of a boat. These are blue-collar workers, just fishermen, salty old, crusty old fishermen. Jesus calls them and says, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to do with you what you would never could have done with yourself if left to yourself. I'm going to make you to become something that you won't believe once you get there yourself. But then, not only are they going to become fishers of men, but in eternity, he said, I'm giving you a kingdom, and you're going to eat and drink at a table with me in heaven, and you're going to sit on thrones, and you're going to judge the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Naphtali and and all the 12 tribes of Israel. You're going to judge them. Now, folks, this is heady stuff. This is big They would literally rule and reign with him in the coming kingdom. Now, they're sitting there going, hallelujah, glory to God. I mean, don't you think that put a little bit of strut in them? And then right after that, Jesus wheels around and talks to all of them and says, guess what? 
I've got an inside track to what the devil's up to, and he has asked to sift all of you like wheat. But Peter, you particularly, I'm praying for you particularly, Peter, because, because you're the one who's going to blow it the worst. And, and, and so <laughs> I'm really praying for you, and, and I, I'm, I'm filling you in on something that I know the devil is going to do. So here, here's what we need to learn from this. Right at, at our highest mountaintop, when God has blessed us with a major blessing, favor on top of favor, that's when often the enemy decides to level the crosshairs at us and come at us and attack us to take away our testimony, take away our joy, take away our victory, take the smile off of our face and the skip out of our step and knock us down off of what God has just done. He attacks when we're sometimes at our best. You know, Peter had already received a word on top of these words I just read because he had said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus singled him out and said, Simon, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father who is in heaven. And Peter, I tell you upon this rock, what rock? Not the man, Simon, Peter, but the revelation that came out of his mouth that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, on that rock, on on, on that faith, Peter, faith in that fact that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what I'm going to build my church on, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against that revelation that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter was already riding high. Okay, church is going to be built on my revelation. And now he's on a throne. And now he's judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And then all of a sudden, Peter, Satan has asked for you. And I want you to know you're going to mess up. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that when you come out on the other side, your faith is intact. And and as a matter of fact, more than intact, that it's so strong that you're going to strengthen the brethren's faith. You're going to come out purified, Peter, because I prayed for you. Not because you're Mr. Wonderful, but because I prayed for you. I prayed for you, Peter. I can almost hear the devil saying, huh, yeah, right, really? You're going to, you, Jesus, are going to build your church on this guy's faith? Let me add him. Let me sift him. Let me put him in my sifter. We'll see how good he does. Let me, let me shake him up for a while. And, and my guess is he won't last. He'll cave in. And Jesus said, you know, that's probably true, except I'm standing in the gap and I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. And I want to tell you something, church. He's praying for you. I want you to say with me, he's praying for me. Oh, we've got an intercessor that is in heaven right now who's calling our name, who is calling our name. And he knows what's coming at us, and he's praying that our faith doesn't fail. See, look at some of you. Some of you have said, I'll never be in church again. I got hurt in church, or I messed up so bad. I'm down for the count. I'll never be back, never be what I was. But here you are in church today, and your hands are lifted, and you're worshiping the living God. What are you doing here? You weren't supposed to be here again. I'll tell you what you're doing here. You had a Savior praying for you in heaven, and your faith did not fail. Yes. Maybe you're being sifted right now. You feel like your life has been turned upside down and you're being shaken hard. Somebody walked out on you. You raised your kids to walk right and now they're walking wrong and you don't know what to do with it. 
or you're in a financial problem, or maybe you've lost your job, or maybe you've gotten some kind of a report from the doctor, and all of a sudden you're in the sifter, and you're being shaken, and your faith is being tried. I came today to encourage you, to tell you that you've got a Savior praying for you, and your faith is not going to fail. You say, well, my faith feels real weak. Well, guess what? It's not your faith. It's God's faith. God gave you your faith. God gave you your faith. And I want you to say with me, faithful is he who calls me, who also will do it. And say with me, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. You're fading on me there. Let's try this one. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, give him praise today, church. Come on. Amen. Amen. You're asking, why me, why now? I want you to consider something. Satan doesn't bother with people who are no threat to him. He only focuses on people who are a threat. That's who he focuses on. Oh, just go ahead and decide to seek the Lord one day. Decide to seek him with all of your heart and see if hell does not unleash all of its artillery against you. But that's all right because no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Amen. The sifting of your faith is there because your faith has alarmed hell. Hang tough. God's going to see you through this as we're about to see. Now, the second thing I want to point out is that Peter overestimated himself. You ever done that? Oh, I have so overestimated myself before. Oh, I have so overestimated myself. Have you ever looked in the mirror and sang, there is none like you? (laughs) You know, you get that strut, and you overestimate yourself. You you overestimate, and there's a danger to overestimating yourself. You You think you're all that in a bag of chips? Is that the way they put it? You're all that in a bag of chips? You're God's man or woman of faith and power for the hour. Look out, here I come, and you're blessed to have me here. If you only knew who was sitting in this chair. And we overestimate ourselves, right? We do. And so did Peter. Peter really overestimated himself because he was full of self-confidence and self-reliance. It's the way he had been raised. It's the way he lived. He was a fisherman. I mean, if he didn't catch fish that day, they didn't eat that night. So he was self-reliant. He was tough, he was gruff, he was rough, he was salty, he was sun-beaten, he he was used to leaning on himself, and the Lord had to get rid of that to use him. So Jesus says, yeah, yeah, you're all going to forsake me, and here comes Peter, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison, if they take you to jail, I'm right there with you, Lord, We'll we'll be cellmates, and if they put you to death, Lord, I'm right there with you, I'll die with you, I'll die with you. Big words, Peter. Matthew records Peter saying, even if all the rest of the disciples, and they're standing behind him when he says this, even if all the rest of these guys are made to stumble because of you, if they all fall flat, not me, Lord. Mm -mm. I will never be made to stumble. Well, aside from them wanting to whoop him after saying that, hey, you think you're better than us? We've been walking with you this whole time. It was very overconfident. 
Peter is essentially saying, my faith and resolve to be true to you, Lord, is better and stronger than theirs. You know, they say the bigger they are, the harder they fall. All the disciples would forsake Jesus at his arrest. They all ran, all fled, all of them. Don't know him, don't know him. Who? Jesus who? I don't know Jesus. Jesus who? Of Nazareth? No, that guy? No. I don't know him. But Peter spectacularly failed three times. Don't know him, don't know him. The third time with curse words. Don't know him. And right then, Luke records, Jesus came walking out and looked at him as those final words fell from his lips, as if to say, told you. See, before you get home, he sees you getting home. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. We serve an incredible, mighty, powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient Savior. He is sovereign. He is God. He doesn't even inhabit time and space. He inhabits eternity. There is no time with him. He's at the future. He's in the present. He's in the past. He's over all of it. This reminds me of Paul's warning. He said, if you think you're standing firm, you better be careful lest you fall. Within 24 hours of his big boast, Peter fell hard in front of everybody. So sifting took the prideful strut out of his walk. Sifting, here it goes through the sifter. It's being shaken. His faith is being rattled. But what fell through the sifter? His pride, his self-reliance, his self-confidence, his strut, his self-made man-ness fell through. And all that was left was his faith in the sifter, saved by the prayer of Jesus. And he learned, hey, it humbles us when we get sifted, doesn't it? It humbles us. Apart from his strength, we realize I really can't do anything at all. Apart from his strength, what am I going to do? Apart from his strength, I can't walk this walk, talk this talk, live this life. Apart from him, I can't bear fruit. Apart from him, I can't seek the Lord. Apart from him, I won't read my Bible. I won't stay faithful in church. Apart from him, what am I going to do? Apart from him, I can't do it. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Now, the final thing I see here is that Jesus was out in front of Satan's attack. Jesus was out in front of it. Jesus was a step ahead of the devil in Peter's life, and he's a step ahead of the devil in your life. He was a step ahead of the devil in Peter's life. He knew what the devil was going to do, and he was a step ahead of it. He knew what the devil planned to do with Peter and the rest of them, so he got ahead of it, and he prayed for them before the attack ever struck. I want you to say with me, he's ahead of the enemy in my life. Say with me, he's out in front before he attacks. Amen. Oh, this is good stuff. I could have just preached on this third part the whole time. Watch this now. Jesus said, I'm out in front of what the devil's going to do, Peter. I'm watching over you. I know what he's up to. And Peter, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. I prayed for your faith, Peter. And, and, And as with Peter, the Lord Jesus knows all about the satanic assignments that are leveled against us. And I want you to know he's out in front of every one of them, whether you're aware of it or not. He sees what the enemy is about to do. And he gets out in front of it. And he prays for you. And he and and he secures you in his prayer so that by the time the devil attacks, the great intercessor in heaven has already held you up and already prayed for you. 
He didn't pray that Peter would not go through the attack. Sometimes I want to say, Lord, why didn't you keep me from this? Because I want you to go through it because it's going to sift you and some things are going to be taken out of you that I don't need in you anymore and I'll be able to use you better once you've been sifted, though you don't like being shaken and rocked and rolled. And Peter, you're, you're, going, to be so, you're going to be so strong, you're going to strengthen the brethren's faith. Whatever you're going through today, Jesus is in front of it. He's in front of it. Now, now David said this in Psalms 23, 5. Watch this. David said, David said, he prepares a table before me. That means he goes ahead of me, and he prepares a table ahead of me, before me, in front of me, and makes the enemy watch me get blessed. Are you with me? He makes the, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The idea is the enemy's watching, but there's nothing he can do. He's watching, but his hands are tied. He's watching, but he's bound. He's watching, but he's got to eat it up because the Lord prayed for him. Now, we, we, we read that psalm and we go, oh, a, a table, like a, a table where you eat a meal. But that's not what it is at all. David's talking shepherd talk. A, a table was a mesa. It, it was... It referred to the time, the summer months, when a real shepherd in Bible times would take the sheep up a mountain, and he would look for a level place called a table. He would look for a level place, like a level pasture, where he could take the sheep in summer months, where it was cooler, and they would graze throughout the summer months. So it was called a table. A pasture was a table, a mesa, a table. For them to graze in. And here's the deal. David said, he goes before me. He prepares a table before me while my enemy watches. In other words, here's the, the shepherd ahead of the game. Well, what game? Well, he would go and he would check out that pasture. He would leave the sheep wherever they were and he would start making trips to the selected place, the table. And once he got to the table, here's what he would do. He would make sure the grass was tender and green and edible and luscious. And he would check out the water supply to make sure it was clean and it was not poisonous. He would get on hands and knees, literally, I'm telling you the truth, and would walk or crawl very slowly over the pasture pulling out poisonous weeds. Oh, there's one. Uh-oh, that one's poisonous. If they eat that one, that's poisonous. And he would pull it out and pull these poisonous weeds out. And if he found thorn bushes that would stick them in the feet and bring infection, he would pull the thorn bushes out too. He prepares a table. He checked the snake holes in the ground and he poured oil in the snake holes to kill the snakes. He looked for signs of wild animals that might attack the sheep so he would know how to best guard his flock. He, he would kill some of them and make the way. He prepares a table before me. The sheep are back here, but he's gone ahead into their future. The sheep are back here, but he's gone into their future. Can I say it again? The sheep are back here at table number one, and he goes and he starts preparing table number two. Come on, everybody. He's ahead of them. He's ahead of the game. See, right now you're in table number one. And maybe it's getting a little bit lean, and maybe the grass is not quite as green. Get ready, 
because your shepherd has already gone ahead of you to prepare table number two. And when his work is completely done, he goes and he gets the flock and he says, come on, come on. I prepared a table before I took care of the enemy. I have made a way where there is no way. As we sang, he's the way maker. He's the way maker. He's the table maker. That's a new, I had a new lyric to it. He's my table maker. And, and, and he makes it, he made a table. And he, he's saying to the sheep, what would have poisoned you? I got it. What would have stuck you? I got it. What would have uh, uh, poisoned you? I got it. What would have eaten you alive? I got it. I prayed for you. I've covered you. I'm not going to take you out of the journey, but I want you to know I've gone ahead of you and I'm, I, and I'm in front of the devil's game. And the devil never says, checkmate. Jesus is always the one who makes the final move and says, checkmate. So he's gone ahead of you and me, removing the poisonous things that could harm us, sizing up the enemy's schemes against us, and praying for our safety. So that when we arrive, the shepherd has already been there ahead of us, dealing with the dangers, dealing with the potential attacks that will come against our faith. And you say, well, Jeff, last time I arrived at a table, I had plenty of problems. But what would it have been if he had not gone ahead of you? He's not going to remove all the enemy because as Andre Crouch sang so well, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word could do. So he doesn't keep us from them, but he carries us through them. And he, he prays that our faith, our faith comes out praising God. Our faith comes out with a good confession. Our faith comes out with a testimony. Our faith comes out looking better than before it went in. That's God's will. We've got a Savior praying for us. Therefore, he is able. Can you say to me, he's able? To save completely those who come to God through him. Watch this. Because he always lives to intercede for them. What Jesus did for Peter, he's doing now. And he'll do it until the church is taken home. Amen. Can we stand together today? So watch this. Let me sum it up. Sifting often comes on the heels of powerful experiences with God. Sifting is used by God to humble us and get out the unnecessary. Jesus is always out in front of the devil's attacks, praying for our faith, preparing a table. Amen. What is our part? It is to hang on, trusting, believing, Rest in Him, delight ourselves in Him, seek Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your path. Because there's a table. I used to say, something's cooking in the oven, in heaven's oven. And, and, and you smell it, but you just don't taste it yet. You're aware of it, but you just don't taste it yet. But there's a table being prepared. Amen. Aren't you glad we've got a Savior that cares that much about us? Amen.
lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today. Jesus. We confess to you, Lord. We, some of us can say with that man, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. I'm struggling, Lord. The circumstances have come at me from every angle. Lord, I've been hurt. I've been disappointed. I've been betrayed. I've been let down. I've got setbacks. And Lord, I, I, my faith is being tested. I'm being shaken. I feel upside down in my life. I don't know what to do. Well, I want you to listen to this word today. This was not Jeff. This was the Bible. I've prayed for you, says Jesus. Listen, let me give you a word today. Jesus speaks right to you. Forget about everybody else in the sanctuary. It's you and him alone. Listen to me. Jesus says to you, I've prayed for you. That your faith would not fail. I've prayed for you. And I'm praying now. God hears my prayers. I've prayed for you. So though you feel shaky, uncertain, weak, listen, Jesus' prayers are stronger than you, mightier than you. And what he asks of God, he always gets. And he says, no man will pluck you out of my hands. You're going to come out on the other side.